Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, February 5th. We're making a bit of a programming shift here on our podcast today. Now, some of you listeners may already know that I am recording these shows this week in my hotel room in Cleveland as I am on site at the 2022 Cleveland Challenger. I get to play the role of MC for the event, and I cannot thank the top-notch management team enough for the opportunity. Sam Duvall, Kyle Ross, Alex Guthrie, everyone else, they've been so accommodating, so loving to us here at Crack Rackets, so supportive of what we're trying to do, and so can't thank them enough for this chance to get to take in all of this action in person. And there are just nuances to a match you pick up when watching it unfold in front of your eyes that you're just not quite able to catch the a live stream, the speed of each of these players, the feel of each of these players, the decisiveness with which they play. It's just a, a degree of insight that I've been so uh, so grateful and thankful to have the opportunity to gain. And, you know, obviously with my role as MC, I also get to sit courtside for a bunch of these matches. I get to hear these players, what they're saying to themselves, how they're looking at their teams, interacting with their teams throughout the course of the match, interacting with the chair umpire as well. And it's just been a fascinating an informative experience, and I cannot thank, again, the top-notch team enough for giving me this opportunity. But, of course, I've been recapping my thoughts from Wednesday's, Thursday's action over on our Great Shot podcast feed. We're going to move that recap here to the Mini Break podcast feed today, offer you all a little weekend glimpse into what is happening across the tennis world. Now, full disclosure, I did not have the opportunity to watch yesterday's three ATP quarterfinal uh, events, whether it was in Punai, whether it was in Cordoba, whether it was in France. I know who won, but I haven't had the chance to watch the matches yet. So I'm going to try and incorporate that either into tomorrow's podcast or obviously when we recap championship weekend on Monday. I'll touch on all of the ATP level action for you listeners. But today on this show, I want to talk about my thoughts from Friday's quarterfinal day on the grounds at the Cleveland Challenger. Four outstanding matches in particular, those last three, Nishioka Blumberg, Escobedo Stricker, and then the nightcap, Michael Moe versus Lexi Galarno. A, those are all players we focused on quite frequently here at Crack Rackets, but B, the level of tennis at this Cleveland Challenger, simply outstanding. And I want to share my reflections on watching the day unfold. I also want to talk about the doubles we watched throughout the course of the day because A, we have an all uh, you know college tennis final, Blumberg Schnur of UNC and Columbia taking on Galloway and Withrow of Texas A&M, and I always forget where Robert Galloway goes. I think Wofford, if memory serves me correct, for uh, Robert Galloway. And, I mean, A, again, bread and butter for us here at Crack Rackets, but B, oh my gosh, watching Galloway and Withrow take on Lawson and Stalder yesterday was a 6-7, 7-6, I think 16-14 match ultimately. It was as good as it gets, folks, and it's just a reminder of how high a level all of these players reach, how athletic all of them are, and, you know, again, it's a ringing endorsement here from me for the ATP Challenger Tour. If you've got Challenger action in your local community at any point this year, I highly, 
highly recommend. I don't have to tell this to you listeners because I'm sure you're already doing this, but if you haven't attended a challenger level match or a college level match where so many of these players we see competing this week started out, go to your local college match. Go to your local challenger match. I'm telling you there is nothing quite like in-person tennis, the energy, the atmosphere, the speed and athleticism. I feel like TV neutralizes it. And when you see it in person, particularly for any of you who play yourself, you'll be like, oh yeah, they're pro athletes. I'm not. This stuff is freaking crazy. Oh, but with that in mind, again, my thoughts here for, or my goals here for today's show. Excuse me, I want to recap Friday's action, talk about the four quarterfinals, talk about the double semifinals as well, preview what I expect to unfold on Saturday. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. Now, if you uh, need any equipment updates in your own tennis game. There's only one place to go. It's with our friends at Tennis Point. You go to tennis-point.com right now. You're going to find everything you're looking for, but you want a little bonus incentive to go there? Go to their website. Use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get 15% off on all sale items, you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, tennis-point. Symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, let's get into it. Thoughts from the grounds of Friday's action in Cleveland. I got to start with our nightcap in singles. Oh my God, was Lexi Galarno versus Michael Moe an exceptional match. And obviously, some of you listeners know those names pretty well. Lexi Galarno, former All-American at NC State, a guy we've had on our show before and, you know, was a guy who's been extraordinarily kind to us here at Crack Rackets. And look, he's a guy making his transition now from the college game to the pro ranks, played uh, pretty much exclusively at the challenger level last season, had to come through qualies a bunch of different times as well and, you know, was ultimately able to get into main draws. And I believe he goes, I think the number's nine and four in the first matches he's played over the last 52 weeks, but, you know, has only advanced to five challenges challenger quarterfinals in his career and has never made a challenger semifinal and obviously is looking to make that push to break through that threshold and right now he's top 350 in the world but you start getting some semifinals a finals appearance you're top 300 and now you're playing grand slam qualies and now you're in the ball game folks and you can tell Lexi Galarno is making a push right now and let me say the first set between he and Michael Moe that's a top that's top 100 level tennis. Go watch it. Lexi takes the first set 7-6, no breaks of serve in that opening set. It, it was just exceptional throughout the course of the match and you know again watching in set number 1 just both of these guys how efficient each of them were on serve. You look uh, for uh, Lexi Galarno, he drops, I believe, you know, wins 67% of his first serve points, 63% of his second serve points. You look for Michael Moe, he made 70% of his first serves, won 75% of his first serve points. It was just plus one big man tennis. And, you know, what's so exceptional, uh, uh, ex- what's so exceptional, excuse me, about watching Michael Moe play is just the athleticism and the physicality he brought because Lexi was striking the ball so exceptionally well in that first set, taking everything early on the rise, driving things with pace, with depth. I thought there was a heaviness to his forehand as well. And, you know, anytime Michael Moe gave him top spin to work with, which of course Moe hits a heavy forehand when he steps into it, you know, Lexi's ability to absorb, redirect that pace, move forward to the net. Some of the drop volleys these guys hit throughout the course of this match, simply stunning. I mean, highlight reel after highlight reel shot. And again, you look for these guys, 
each faces three break points in the first set, each fight them off. I just thought Lexi was a little bit more dynamic. He won the battle of court positioning in that first set because neither of these guys could hurt one another. It was, again, high-level tennis. It was just it, it was really difficult for either of these guys to hurt one another with just a big plus-one ball. And so, you know, again, it was about court positioning, and Lexi did a really good job moving forward. I wish I had net point stats for you, but certainly, Lexi, I would imagine he was probably somewhere in the six to eight range, six of eight range at the net in that first set. And, you know, that was the difference because Mo, when he was able to land first serves and get after a plus one forehand, which his plus one forehand is rejuvenated, folks. And I tweeted this out, but I would seriously consider if the tennis gods came to me and said, Alex, one month off the end of your life, but you get to have Michael Mo's legs for the rest of it. I would say, hmm. Do I get to move like him? Like, are they just legs for show or do I get that spring? Do I get that pop? And if they say, oh, no, you get the full function, I think I'd take it because watching Michael Moe's first step and how much ground he covers and his ability to just give that extra push off the ground and slide into his shot to track down that extra ball, it's a top 50 level of physicality. And of course, for Michael Moe, he's dealt with so many different injuries throughout the course of his career. And it felt like whenever he was gaining momentum, you know, end of that 2018 season, he cracks the top 100, start of 2019, he's getting into Australia and then, you know, he's injured and he misses a huge chunk of time. And then, you know, you look for him 2019, he makes a final at the Kerry Challenger and, you know, ends up winning Knoxville at the end of the season. Then he gets injured during the 2020 season. And obviously we have the pandemic as well and just isn't able to capitalize on the momentum he built, but he's got momentum building once again. And I talk about that physicality because, you know, again, for Lexi, he was striking the ball so well, taking everything early on the rise, beating Mo to the spot and just, you know, again, moving Mo so well around the court, but also withstanding the physicality of Mo and being willing to play those five plus shot rallies and being willing to go 10, 15 shots into the rally until that opening emerged. Because unless you are 100% certain on the ball you're going to hit. Michael Moe's going to track it down and do something special with a passing shot. And Lexi was that good in the first set and takes the first set tiebreaker 7-3 and just, you know, again, he was the more aggressive player of the two. He won the core positioning battle in that first set, but ultimately it was the physicality of Michael Moe that won out. And for Michael Moe, who takes a 6-7, love victory in this match, if he's healthy, he's going to get to the top 100. Because unless you have top 50, top 100 level weapons, he's going to be able to neutralize what you're doing. And it's just, again, watching him in the outer thirds of the court, some of the backhand lobs he hit, some of the backhand short angle cross courts he hit, which are just so low and even flat angle over the net. It's just, you know, again, that backhand for him, it's so condensed and it's so easy for him to absorb pace. And I mentioned this yesterday, but on that forehand wing, A, with his footwork and his explosiveness, it's just, it feels like, you know, again, he puts so much power and so much momentum in the first forehand. The weight of that shot belongs in the top 100. And then it also, and I know I said this yesterday, it feels like he's afraid to swing his hardest on that forehand because he feels like the ball's going to hit the back fence. That's how much torque and racket speed he can generate. I mean, Michael Moe's got good feel, too. I thought he volleyed pretty well in this match. And, you know, again, I thought he did. He continued to serve well throughout the course of the match where Lexi served dropped off in sets two and number three. And I mentioned those numbers for Lexi. He wins 60% of his first serve points, uh, over 60% of both his first and second serve points in set number one. You look for him, only wins 56% of his first serve points in this match, only wins 50% of his second serve points in this match. And obviously that lopsided six love third set, which I think was much closer than the six love scoreline, certainly is going to 
skew these numbers here. But for Michael Moe, he made, you know, I mentioned the over 70% of his first serves go in. He wins 75% of his first serve points in set number one. That number only continued to increase. You know, he makes 72% of his first serves for the match. He wins 77% of his first serve points. Galarno won the battle of court positioning, but ultimately not only did Mo win the battle of physicality, he had the biggest weapon on the court in his first serve. And I'm telling you, the plus one ball, he's hitting it more decisively, which has been an issue for Michael Mo because due to his athleticism, he's most comfortable, you know, five to 10 feet behind the baseline playing defense and turning that defense into offense and using his strength to, you know, hit with depth in the corners that you just don't expect and, you know, blast a ball by you. But I think he has gotten more aggressive. I think he is standing closer to the baseline. And I I do really just, I love how round his forehand is. And I love the shape of the ball and just the trajectory and the heaviness contrasted with the backhand, which again is really well condensed. And I think he's a good returner, puts a lot of balls in play. I just... You know, for Michael Moe, there were a lot of times where it felt like, much like Tommy Paul, and I made this comp the other day, you know, plans B, C, D, E, he could do all the things. But what was A? What was going to win Michael Moe free points? What was the point-in, point-out routine and patterns Michael Moe was going to turn to to just assert himself in every match he played? I think we saw the variety on display yesterday, but I also think that 77% first serve points one is indicative of the growth of plan A, of the serve forehand combo. And just, again, when you work in the weapons with his physicality, he's going to be top 100. It's just a matter of, is it at the end of this year? Is it at the end of next year? When do those opportunities come? Of course, you look for him. This is his fourth challenger semifinal, which is what he reaches here in Cleveland. Fourth challenger semifinal in his last eight challengers. All eight of those challengers have come since the last week of October. So, I mean, come on now. Like, he's healthy. He's playing frequently. He's getting to semifinal after semifinal. He's back into the top 250, back up to number 227 with his result here. A title in Cleveland this week would get him all the way back up to number, I think I mentioned this yesterday because I remember seeing this, number 200 or tied for 199, which uh, is, you know, where Michael Moe, for the record, belongs. And, yeah, I just... He's back into Grand Slam qualifying now with this ranking. He should get into every challenger event or continue to get into every challenger event he wants to play. Most on the comeback, folks. And again, you look for him now last 52 weeks, 20 and 20 overall. However, I think that's misleading because of his struggles at the beginning of last season. He had a six-match losing streak uh, at one point during the summer. But if you look for him again since the end of October, that Las Vegas challenger where he made the run to the semifinal before getting knocked out by eventual champ J.J. Wolf, it's 13-8. That's much more like it. And you look for who the losses are to. He loses to, you know, again, J.J. Wolf in Vegas. Loses a couple times to Daniel Altmeyer, who I believe has made a push into the top 100. Um, you know, Yuri Lechechka, first-round Australian Open qualifying. Lechechka is one of those young rising talents as well. 13-8's in the right direction. You know, he's holding 80% of the time. Breaking serve 29.1% of the time. Numbers are looking better for Michael Moe. He's getting back to the player we know he can be. And I think the most... The, the brightest takeaway for me from his performance yesterday, because again, I'm playing the role of MC. I get to ask him questions post-match little interview for the fans. And, you know, he made the comment of saying that's about as well as I could have hoped to play. That was a, you know, again, I'm very, very happy with my performance. He should be. If Michael Moe plays like that, He's getting back to the top 100 again. We're on indoor hard courts here. Imagine his physicality, the heaviness of his ball translated outdoors. He's a Florida kid too, by the way. IMG's finest. So what a win for Michael Moe. If you're Lexi, I mean, 
Lexi played a fantastic match. And sustaining the level in that first set, because obviously Lexi is not 6'2". He's not 6'3". He's not, you know, the easiness of the weapons and that comes with that sort of size. That's not him. He's got to maximize his strength. He's got to be in elite shape. And I do think, man, like he looked stronger this week. He looked more physical. His ability to absorb pace and just take it early on the rise, he clearly put in the work this offseason. And I think that work is going to manifest itself with him rising into the top 250 and putting himself into that slam qualities range. I will be shocked. Lock this in, Westoff and listeners out there. Lock it in. One of the takes of the year. We should do a takes of the year pod and see how they do at the end of the season. One of my takes of the year, Lexi Galarno, 1000% going to end up in the top 250 by the end of this season. 1000% going to make his first challenger semifinal by the end of this season. But another one of my takes of the year, you know what? Lock it in, Westoff. Michael Moe, top 115. Now, just with the rankings protections, it's all weird. I want to say top 100 and be bold. Michael Moe is going to qualify for a Grand Slam this season. No doubt in my mind about that. He's going to win another challenger title this season. No doubt in my mind about that. You know what? If he's healthy from start to finish, lock it in. Top 100. That's a take of the year. Lock it in, Westoff. I do think that's, again... I'm very hot take because I'm watching it in person and it's an instant reaction. But if he sustains this level, folks, I feel very confident that he is going to be back in the top 100 at some point this season. But that's enough on Mo Galarno. Again, it was a nightcap. It was thrilling. And, you know, Michael Mo said this is the best crowd I've ever had at a challenger event. And again, that's a credit to the top notch team, this Cleveland community, which has embraced each and every one of these athletes. It's been really, really special. That's why we keep coming back year after year here at Crack Rackets. But, you know, again, we had like 200 people last night, something like that. And we had a snowstorm on Wednesday night. And, you know, shout out to uh, everyone in Cleveland who uh, the, the entire crew of completely fixed, you know, made these roads drivable and made it possible for all these people to come out to this match. But yeah, it was really, really good. And so shout out to Mogolarno for playing an exciting nightcap, but that's your Mogolarno take. Let's move on to our next match, Escobedo Stricken. I think I'm going to be a little bit quicker here with the rest of these matches, just because again, I, you know, again, I watched all of them, but, um, I've talked about these players already here this week. You can hear some of those recaps already. You know, you can hear my first two recaps over on the Great Shot podcast feed, as I mentioned earlier. But introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. I mean, look, I'm doubling down. I'm all in all in on Dom Stricker, who I had the chance to speak with. You can hear that over on the Cracked Interviews podcast. The 19-year-old, he's just got it. And the dominance with which he plays on the first serve, and it's hilarious because he's a junior French Open champion. And last year, he made quarterfinals on clay and on grass. And yet his best challenger results have all come on indoor hard courts. I mean, come on now, folks. Clay, grass, indoor hard courts. Now, we haven't seen the big outdoor hard court result, but his serve is elite. That's what allows him to have success regardless of surface. And he only made 58% of his first serves yesterday. He went 31 of 34 on first serve points against Ernesto Escobedo. 31 of 34 faced one break point throughout the course of the match, a break point with, uh, that he ended up saving. I mean, come on now. It's just, 
it's the ease with which he hits that first serve, the pop, 15 aces yesterday, and he can hit all the spots, and he talked about it in our interview. Yes, I've really focused on being able to hit the four corners because I feel like if I can hit the four corners, I can produce the spins, the paces that can have all of those serves be aces, unintentional rhyme, but hey, great shot. It starts with the serve. That's the foundation. The serve, the plus one, that is going to win him so many matches throughout the course of his career. And of course, he's a lefty as well. And it's just, you know, he says, I ask him about this, who's the player you've been compared to? He says, well, most frequently Shapovalov. I think it's a little cleaner than Shapovalov. It's a little bit more decisive. Yeah, Shapo wants to hit the big first serve, the big plus one forehand, but he doesn't hit it as definitively and decisively as Stricker does. Like Stricker knows, all right, I'm hitting the serve out wide so that I can hit the plus one forehand inside out into the deuce corner, and then I'm going to follow it up with a forehand volley. It's just like the the routineness and how easy he makes it look. And yeah, Shapovalov's playing top 15 players now, and you're never going to make anything against Rafael Nadal or Alex Zverev or Daniil Medvedev look routine. But Stricker's making this match against Escobedo, who obviously has some pace of his own, and I thought Stricker, because... Stricker's still got a boy's body. He still is a 19-year-old. He's got to improve his physicality. He's got to mature physically, and he will. But I thought, you know, the pace of Escobedo might throw him off. I thought Escobedo, because of the heaviness with which he plays and, you know, again, how big he plays early in the rally as well, I thought that would put Stricker on the defensive. And I, I thought, you know, Escobedo would be the one on the front foot. Escobedo would be on the one dic- would be the one dictating. That was not the case. Stricker outpowered tennis Ernesto Escobedo, who recently won a challenger first week of the season and you know again it's just is 25 years old and like is physically matured you know Escobedo's jacked now which was another one of my takeaways I don't remember him being he's always been a big guy I don't remember him being that big but like Stricker was the more physically mature player just taking that ball early on the rise and his feel on the return whether it's you know the slice on both the forehand or the backhand wing his ability to you know you inject pace into the rally he laughs and he's just like huh watch what I can do and he just dishes it back with that much more pace and again he's able to incorporate the short angles the slices the drop shot I really like how he plays when he's on the slide I he anticipates extraordinarily well and it's actually funny I told him in our interview I said you know who you kind of remind me of watching this week is I think there's a lot of similarities between you and Jack Sock, just kind of, you know, blessed with those shoulders and that ability to snap on a ball at will. And he goes, no, that's pretty good. He's like, I like that comparison. He's like, I think that's a fair one. Um, I also think from a body type, they're bigger guys. And, you know, again, Sock has never been 1000% dedicated to being the fittest human he could be for a 52 week span. I think Stricker will be dedicated to being the fittest human he can be in a 52-week span because that's it. That's the only missing thing. Like Physically, when he's able to go side to side, and he can right now, he's in extraordinary shape. Like Again, he's in playing shape. There's no doubt he can go three sets with the best of them. I just think you know, he gets away with anticipation and he gets away with some stuff on the slide that better players will punish him for uh, with. But man, I mean, he just took it to Escobedo. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was a power tennis matchup. Stricker won the matchup. And you look for Dom Stricker now, who really hasn't played that many pro matches in his career prior to the last 52 weeks. But now he's 35 and 22 in those last 52 weeks. And you look for him overall. He's made, you know, I believe four different challenger semifinals. Again, all of them on hard court. He's, you know, uh, won a challenger title in Lugano. You look for him, those quarterfinals he made in Stuttgart in Geneva at the ATP level. With his win, Dom Strucker cracks the top 200 for the first time in his career, all the way up now to a new career high of number 188 in the live rankings. He's 19 years old, folks. And 
there's a world where he gets a wild card into the French Open because he's a junior French Open champion. And just, you know, you look for him now. Where's he going to go after this from a scheduling standpoint? Well, you can hear those answers over on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. But it's going to be fascinating. Does he go play qualies at 250s? Does he try and apply for wild cards into 250 events? Certainly, he's got to be on a short list for people you keep an eye on for wild cards moving forward. I feel about him. I mean, it's maybe not quite as high profile as Holger Rune was, but I don't feel that dissimilar about Stricker as I did last season going into it for Holger Rune, I'm telling you. Watch the power tennis. It's just, it's electric. It, it, there's nothing on a tennis court he he looks uncomfortable doing. It all comes easily to him. And again, I just think it's a question of physicality. That's going to determine how high it goes because he's not six two either. He's six foot, six one, but has the power. I mean, it, it has the legs. Like that's the other thing. And I know I keep harping on this, but in person, what separates normal humans from professional tennis players? It's the legs. It's entirely the legs. That's the difference. I'm going to be doing leg day every day in the gym now because that's what I realized I've been missing my entire life. But I mean, man, credit to Stricker, uh, who just outplays Escobedo in the battle of power tennis. But credit to, you know, again, Ernesto looked really good here. Physically, does seem to have taken another level as a mover. And you look for him overall, 38 and 25 quarterfinals here in Columbus, in Cleveland. That comes after he got a lucky loser into the first round of the Australian Open and wins that challenger first week of the season in Australia as well. It's a fantastic start to 2022 for Ernesto Escobedo, 11 and 4. And again, the losses, Kakushkin, Bublik, Three sets to Brooksby last week, straight sets here to Stricker where, you know, there was only one break of serve or maybe two breaks of serve because Escobedo threw in a late break uh, at the end of the first set. Like, yeah, so there were, you know, two breaks of serve. They both came in the first set for Stricker. This was a top 100 level match. This was power tennis. These are the thin margins. And, you know, you look for an Escobedo who's been top 100 before in his career. But with this 11 and 4 start, he's back up to number 135 in the rankings Top 100 push very much in the cards as he really didn't start that season that well, uh, last season that well. So uh, keep your eye on 25-year-old American Ernesto Escobedo. But that was quarterfinal number two. Let's go to quarterfinal number three, Blumberg Nishioka. And I talked so so much about Will yesterday, so I'm going to keep this one even briefer. Man, can Yoshi play. Oh, it's Yoshi fun to watch in person. If Yoshi Nishioka is in your community and you have the chance to go see him play, go watch him play. The, the speed, the feel, the outer third creativity, the ability to move the ball, hit it on a dime. There is not a target on the court that Yoshi Nishioka can't hit. And he just out physical Will. Now, Will's plus his serve, his plus one forehand, his decisiveness, he takes a 6-4 first set. That's a little nugget you build on if you're Will Blumberg because your weapons were big enough to disrupt the rhythm of a top 100 athlete, of a top 100 player in Yoshi Nishioka. The difference is, and Will would admit it, the Blumberg camp would admit it, Will's just not in the shape. He's just not in good enough shape yet, like Yoshi Nishioka. Physically, he is not prepared for that battle over the course of three sets, and that was what separated these two players. Nishioka's continued ability, cross, cross, line, short angle, short angle, attack the open space, make Will do something on the run, incorporate the drop shots, take the ball early on the rise, just take that extra split second away from Blumberg. Yoshi did it all. And I mean, again, the watching the roundness of his forehand when he hits it on the slide, there's no backswing. It's just a little flick of the wrist and he can put the ball wherever he wants it. His feel on that backhand wing, his ability to take it early on the rise, slap it down the line. Man, is it fun to watch Yoshi. Now, again, credit to Will who, you know, kept attacking in this match and had his opportunities. And there were a couple of calls that 
I mean, both guys kind of got hosed by a couple of calls, but it just in critical moments that you wonder if Will gets those calls to go his way, maybe this third set's a little bit different, but credit to Yoshi, man. He kept the pressure on and, you know, again, made this match physical, ultimately wins this battle in four, Yoshihito Nishioka, who's now on an eight-match winning streak as he wins the Columbus Challenger. For him to out-physical Will in this match, that's just a testament to the talent of Yoshihito Nishioka, a testament to the work ethic, the drive, and then again, the feel around the court as well. He just makes matches physical and Man, is it exciting to watch him play. So, so enjoyable. Now, if you're Will, back in the top 1,000, challenger quarterfinal in singles. Will also still live in the doubles final here. He and Max Schnur are going to take on Galloway and Withrow uh, here on Saturday. I mean, good week for Will. Very good start to his 2022 season. I know he's going down to Delray Beach to play doubles with Tommy Paul in a couple weeks. I'm not sure if he's going to get a singles qualities wild card there. Hopefully he does. Feels like he could win a match at Delray. Feels like that would be a good scene for him. I know he's headed back to Atlanta to do some training, but I mean, good week for him. The role continues, though, for Yoshi Nishioka, who falls out of the top 100 uh, of late, but with his run here in Ohio back up to number 115, he wins the challenger title this week. He ends up back at number 104, right on the precipice. And if you're 104, you're getting into grand slams on your own ranking, which in the end is all that matters. Big win for Nishioka. Of course, your final result on the day, Thomas Fabiano, Cedric Steeb. You look for Fabiano. Ultimately, he earns a 6-1-6-3 victory. He advanced comfortably. And to be honest, I was doing some interviews when this match occurred, so I didn't have the chance to watch it as closely. I'll lock in on Nishioka versus Fabiano today. But again, good win for Fabiano. He's been money all week long here. Excited to see him take on Yoshi in today's semifinals. Before I go, want to talk about the doubles. Oh, my God. Was it exciting? Whether it was, you know, again, the decisiveness that Blumberg and Schnur play with. And they've already won three challenger titles together. They're into another final here. And you look for them yesterday was a three-set win over the three seeds, Gonzalez and Margaroli. I mean, just Will's return, how big he hits the forehand, the hands, again, the decisiveness. He just feels like he's the best player on the court always. You can see that mentality. Meanwhile, again, I mentioned this yesterday, Schnur, the perfect partner for him, just hits the big serve and you know, again, takes care of the opportunities at the net and just the way they communicate with one another, the poise that Schnur has. He, he you know, he's never low. He, you never see any anger. You only positivity out of him and will feed so well off of that. They're good. They're really freaking good. I would love to see them make a top 100 push. Of course, it's just so hard to do that on just challenger results, but they're going to have a battle on their hands and what a match it was between Galloway Withrow Lawson Stalder no breaks of serve you know it was a 12-10 breaker uh breaker in the second set that goes the way of Galloway Withrow Lawson Stalder actually had a match point a 9-8 in the tiebreaker on Alex Lawson's serve that was the only match point I believe they had on serve uh that Lawson ends up double faulting on and you know again it's the thinnest of margins I know he wants that ball back but hands at the go watch the third set breaker livestream.com backslash atp i don't know what else to say i can't describe like it was a forehand volley forehand volley reaction volley put away or big serve t poach short angle like it was just so clinical in their hands at the net and everything was efficient and everything was spectacular and again folks college tennis works galloway withrow lawson stalder blumberg schnur all college tennis products i mean come on now folks that's just it, it was just exceptional. And Reese Stalder's hands. Ugh. Man, did I miss seeing the Horned Frog compete. And, 
You know, again, Chris Halioris was giving me grief over on Twitter saying it was my man crush. It's not a man crush. I have a crush on his game. I mean, just the hands, how easy the, he just, again, some people have those reaction times. And I guess that's been one of those things I've always admired because as someone in a club tennis doubles partnership, not nearly the same thing, but you know, my doubles partner was the one with the big serve. He was the power tennis. I was the one cleaning up everything at the net, keeping that ball low, just return after return. I got to make in, cross, get ready to poach, all these different things. By the way, I would like to point out, I always do this. Never mind, never mind. I was going to say, you know, I wasn't that bad at tennis. I was like, I was fine. If it's a binary system, good, bad, I think compared to the average person, I mean, I don't think I would be considered good. Um, not great. I never said great, but solid. Um, anyways, point being, I just like, I, Stalder is the maximization of everything I tried to be at the net and everything I tried to be on a doubles court. And Reese is also at it. I don't remember when he had 120 pop on his serve, but he's got 120 pop on his serve now. And just, I'm a believer. Like, Stalder's got game. He's got the quickness at the net. He's got the decisiveness. He's got, you know, again, the, the, the attitude as well. This was a really fun match, but Robert Galloway is so fundamentally sound. Jackson Withrow, sneaky pop on everything he does. So athletic, so fluid. They're a really good team as well. And Robert Galloway, he's gone in the four years of the Cleveland Challenger. First year, he makes the final. Second year, third set break, uh, breaker, he ends up losing in the semifinals. Third year, wins the title. This year, back into the finals. That's why I always call him the winningest player in Cleveland Challenger history because he is. And also the nicest guy you're going to meet. I'm such a fan of Robert Galloway. Such a fan of Challenger doubles. If you're not watching, you really should. The level just exceptional. I mean, I like ATP doubles as well, by the way, but you know, it just feels like challenger doubles. I mean, you can just watch it so much more frequently, so much more easily. It's always available. Livestream.com backslash ATP, which I think it's just regular slash ATP. Um, but that's where you can follow all of the action, by the way. But those are my thoughts on Friday's action on the grounds of the 2022 Cleveland Challenger. Again, I know who won Emer Brothers into the semifinals. Vera dropped one game against Manorino. All of these different things. I didn't get to watch any of it, though. You know, Rusevori into a semifinal. My boy making his move. Uh, I didn't get to watch any of that. He's not my boy, by the way, for Rusevori. I feel like I should remain objective. My boy in the fact that I have a staked interest in saying I think he's going to be extraordinarily successful on hard courts this season. Uh, but I didn't get the chance to watch any of that action unfold. So I'm going to save that for either tomorrow's podcast or on Monday. Of course, I'll be back tomorrow to recap Saturday, semifinal Saturday, plus the championship doubles match at the Cleveland Open. Uh, of course, I believe here today we're also going to have a couple of Great Shot podcast episodes uh, covering the college tennis world. So be sure to go check out those shows as well. And, you know, again, if you've missed any of our coverage, whether it be my interview with Dom Stricker, talks with Power 5 college tennis coaches, our ITA kickoff weekend recaps, all of that content. Available on the website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of our content. Of course, if you need more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Wastoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Again, comments, criticisms, at Crack Rackets, at A.L. Gruskin. Shout out, as always, to our friends at TennisPoint, Tennis-Point.com. Promo code is CR15. With all that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.